This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Today, I'm continuing with part two of the message, Love and Power, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s Recipe for Success. And if you did not hear part one, please go back and listen to part one. We talk about a lot of important aspects there. The call for the community to really be better together is what we're going to get into today. Last time, we talked about the importance of love and power together. We talked about the importance of renewing your mind. We talked about the importance of remembering that there really is power and change and nonviolent social change. And we talked about the warning against violence. And so, Listen and pay attention to the collective efforts also that are necessary for eradicating poverty and creating economic opportunity for all. So when we talk today about the call for community, the bottom line is that we will all be better off together than alone and by ourselves. And so Dr. King said the upside of Black nationalism and Black power was the yes to amassing political power and economic strength. That was the upside. However, there are also some downsides. He says the problem with Black nationalism and Black power was the issue that they rejected interracial coalitions. And Dr. King felt that interracial coalitions were necessary and important. And he also had an issue with Black separatism and saw that as immoral and self-defeating. There is a problem of structured segregation in this country. And what I would say is that separate is certainly not equal. When we think about the Native American reservations, all the way to the Jim Crow indignities of separate bathrooms, water fountains, and the like, we see that separate is not equal. And Dr. King went on to say that the plantation and the ghetto, they were created to perpetuate powerlessness. The ghetto is a domestic colony that is drained and not replenished. We are robbed every day, and yet you say, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. He says the problem at that time was white contractors coming in as monopolies and really preventing small black businesses to even get an opportunity at all. He says the black man still lives in the basement of a great society. There is no bottom at which to start and no room at the top. We are impoverished aliens in an affluent society. The nation grew over and submerged the black man. And I say that the black man's blood, sweat, and tears built this country. And his contribution is visible and cannot be denied, though many do deny it. If you look around and you see the beautifully carved wood in different buildings, you see wrought iron fences and gratings and 
all kinds of stone masonry and other work that's been done and continues to last through all these years. And also Black people are continuing to contribute to this country. Dr. Martin Luther King also said that Black people have only half of the good things of whites, yet two times the bad things of whites. We have half the income of whites, double the infant mortality, two times the deaths in the war in Vietnam. At that time, he said, we were one to three years behind in schools in comparison to whites. And even in my own personal history, I can attest to that. There was a time that I was in a black school and every book in there was one that I had read in a previous school and they couldn't find a book for my grade level that was appropriate. And by the time I got to the Jewish school where the resources were there for the students, I was then behind. So again, separate was not equal. Separate was not equal. Dr. King also said that Blacks are 75% of those who are employed in the menial jobs that are out there. And even today, I say there are great disparities in health, great disparities so far as longevity of life and economic prosperity, safe housing and neighborhoods, and access to quality education, and the best employment options. We have a lot of baggage from our shared collective past. There is a future, and we can create and participate in what Dr. King called the opportunity to participate in the beauty of diversity. And one of the things I love about Dr. Martin Luther King is that he was a proponent of integration and of diverse people walking, talking, and holding hands together collectively as God's children. He did not advocate for the black man to the exclusion of the white man or any other man. He never preached hate or do unto others as they have done to you. He called individuals and our nation to our higher ideals and aspirations and to a departure from our baser nature. He believed in the institutions of our country and chose to work to get them to respond to legitimate concerns and grievances. Internal integration, he said, was necessary before external integration. In part, what he was talking about, again, was the renewal of the mind, getting your mind straight. And then I would also say internal is within the group that you're in, particularly if it's a disenfranchised group, a group of African Americans, a group of Latin Americans, or whatever the group may be, Asian Americans, whatever it is, if there's disenfranchisement that's been going on, you may need to meet first within your group because others may not understand that collective experience in history or the ongoing issues. However, you don't stay within your group. There is a period of boundary spanning, boundary spanning that was talked about in leadership and popularized by Chris Ernst in the Center for Creative Leadership. And before you can get together with other people, you have to get together with your own people. That's an important part 
of boundary spanning. But then you do get to the place where you do span the boundaries and work together. We have to recognize that God is the one who has created our diversity. And what God created, he said, was good. So we can unite for common purposes of good and go farther and faster together or all be weighed down by the weights of injustice that ultimately disenfranchise all parties, even if it's not initially obvious concerning the wealthier and more privileged. You cannot oppress others without ultimately doing harm to yourself both in this life and the life to come. I know I have covered in previous podcasts on times I've been talking about Dr. Martin Luther King and slavery and various other issues that those who practice slavery, those who practice oppression of other people become monstrous themselves, whether they can see it or not. So you cannot get away with treating people poorly and not having some repercussions. So as with the body of Christ and the church, God has placed us all here with different gifts and talents to share for the common good. If we reject God's structure, there's only one other to accept, and that is the structure of the enemy of God. And that structure is fraught with lies, deception, and ultimate harm for all. The rich man in the Bible, in the illustration that Jesus used, was not resting in Abraham's bosom. His wealth could not save him. Our call is to be rich in love, compassion, and good deeds towards our fellow man. In the spirit of what was said in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, where the rich of this world were warned to share and to really consider where their treasure really needs to be stored. We have here on this earth one sunrise and one sunset in our lives. After that, we must each give an account for the deeds done in this body, whether they were good or bad, as is stated in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. So today, I have questions for you to consider. As companies and executives And as you are formulating your diversity, equity, and inclusion plans, and that's a big deal in our society today, people recognize that there are still disparities and inequities as far as opportunities to succeed. So here are some questions to ask as you are putting those programs together and making them work effectively. Number one, What measures do you have in place to ensure the diverse talents and contributions of all of your team members are utilized? Two, what structures exist for homogeneous groups to meet to outline their unique concerns? Number three, how do you communicate the importance of diversity in your organization? Number four, In what ways are diversity initiatives part of the expectations of line leaders? Number six, what can you do to ensure more seats at the decision-making table for diverse people? And seven, how else can you ensure that your company participates 
in the beauty of diversity and being better together. Remember, separate is not equal. We can do a lot and go much farther together with our collective gifts and talents. And I want to close today with a reading from 1 John, the fourth chapter, verses 7 through 10. Again, a reminder about love. And this is especially important for you who are marketplace ministry leaders. God has you in your workplace for his kingdom purposes, that his will will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. So 1 John 4, beginning with verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's God's standard. Live in love today and always. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.